you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. That's, I'm, I'm just back from a, a long time in California. I was there yes. for the longest time. My I mentioned before, four listeners joining late. My father passed away in February. My mom is in a memory care facility. I go out there once a month to visit with her and uh, make sure she knows that she's loved. We also have been working on the house. They had a beautiful house in a, an area called Henny Hills in Oceanside. And they had they were they are or were 89. So they have a lifetime's accumulation of stuff. And I take after my parents. They have they had lots of books. They had a house filled with interesting stuff. And unfortunately, the exercise of getting ready to maybe sell the house is, are we going to sell some things? We Who's going to take what home? We actually had the brothers together for the first time in months, and we did the divvy two days ago. We actually, I had taken pictures of all kinds of stuff in the house and posted them, sent them up to everybody so everybody could go through and say, of all the paintings, these are the ones that I want. Of all the paintings, sculpture, china books, music, all that kind of stuff. The reason that I'm presenting the library today is because my dad had tons of stuff, and I guess a little bit like me, eclectic taste. He wasn't just a science fiction fan. He had science. He had war history. He has had, he loved maps, and so has a whole bunch of atlases and geography and geology books. I know they're very different, but his taste ran to both. And the heartbreaking thing is, I already have grown up. I got lots of books. I took the the good thing about how my brothers worked it out is that we are different enough that there was hardly any contention. There wasn't, oh, everybody wants the magic coffee pot or whatever else it might be. So I have their Encyclopedia Britannica, and by have, meaning we had to actually rent containers, had to do research into the U-box and the pod and the zippy shell and all that kind of stuff and find out who moves to Bloomington, where my brother is, and who moves to where I am. My older brother didn't want that much because he just moved to a smaller house in Florida and is not looking to outcrowd himself. Right. You know what I mean? But like, I'm really torn because I really want the Encyclopedia Britannica. It's a very cool thing. There's a book called The Know It All that where a guy actually read it from start to finish and then to be the smartest man in the world, that kind of thing. These are the encyclopedia. One of the first things my parents bought when we were young was the EB so that we'd have it for homework assignments and stuff like that. And my first taste of, uh, the World Wide Web, by that meaning hyperlinking, that, okay, I'm going to go look up things about Einstein. And then, of course, while you're reading about Einstein, you find out about his contemporaries and who had a series preceding his and how his were in addition to or in refutation of, and how many times I started off and seven articles later, <laughs> kind of came to, you know what I mean? That I had tried, The original tried, Wikipedia. All these various different things. The original Wikipedia. And, um, so I, and, and, Without going into it, they had a bunch of Time Life series of books. Maybe I've talked about this a little bit before. So I wanted the civilization, the ages of man, the above and beyond. Back when it was 69, the moonshot was a big thing. And so there's all kinds of knowledge, but it leads up to like there. And so sometimes it's very interesting, just like when you read science fiction from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 
at the at that time it was state of the art, very speculative. And then you get to marvel at wow, they really figured it out. This guy had such incredible insight that he talked about the way the world would become, and whether it's Star Trek or Asimov or whatever else it might be. And other times it's hilarious because boy, did they get it wrong. They have all this <laughs> extrapolation into the future, but never caught on to the advent of cell phones or everybody has near instantaneous communication. Things like that. I found a cool art book series where I think it's called something like Seven Centuries of Art, and it has volumes on here's all about Chagall and Picasso and Matisse. And I have an appreciation for a whole bunch of different painters. I love going to museums, but I don't, I really don't know, like, where did they come from? What influenced them? Who tell me all about? I might know a lot about Van Gogh because there's been several movies made about him. But as much as I might, what's the difference between? I don't know, pre-impressionist, post-impressionist, who are the main practitioners of that? And so I'm looking forward to my own little education of sitting down and seeing beautiful paintings and seeing, kind of like when we talked about aficionados, you really get to see the growth of a director by seeing their very early Hitchcock work and then their main thriller, perfect things. Right. And then it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading more. You know what I mean? I know the world is bursting with videos. You and I laugh about how we can hardly keep up as it is. <laughs> but there's something to be said for paintings are that kind of painted medium, despite having just been to the painting shows where they take the work of Van Gogh or, or, or and display it so that it's interactive and you can immerse yourself in it and stuff. I, I still think there's, I've always been a fan of, an artist should be able to present what he wanted to present to you in the medium and the size and the everything that he wanted. And when things get bottlerized, that they decided, hey, we got to hang a fig leaf on this because the statue of David, as beautiful as it is, somehow naughty. You know what I mean? And various things like that. So I'm wanting to see the paintings. And I guess this is also inspired by, I mentioned when we were in Philadelphia, we went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and there are sunflowers. I said, wow, I, I don't know where some of these great works are. There's a, every, every museum seems to have one or two, but I don't know where Whistler's best work is and Picasso right. and all that. So I got a whole bunch of reading ahead of me. And and, and one of the, uh, the commitments you have to make when you're going to move those kind of books is you pack like a standard storage box, and it weighs like 45, 50 pounds. <laughs> Beautiful leaded paper, so that the colors are really perfectly reproduced, but it isn't pulp like comic books. Right. They're like paperbacks or something like that. So as we're putting it into the pod, and it has a 2,000-pound limit, but I was like, I just put 20 boxes in that are like 45. That's 900 pounds. I'm halfway in. And right. Bruce still has to put his stuff in there. So I don't mean to be going on, but it's a very interesting, wow, what a time capsule. And I guess that's, it isn't only about what the things are. It's just uh, people are going to have that thing with me when they, if I don't do serious Swedish death cleaning or sell off my collections or give things away to libraries and my friends, someone's going to come into this house and just say, there's a year's worth of work here. And then it's not just the house. It'll be, oh, you have storage lockers as well. You utter bastard for having so much stuff. I, we're kind of in the same thing. My father, he's still here. But he's a big hoarder and he has so much stuff. And our building, you saw it before, it's way worse now. It's really fallen down. And right. we're like, what do we keep? What do we not keep? I don't want to spend $10,000 to build another building just to put all the stuff back in. And it takes a lot of time to go through it. But there's some good stuff, like you said. For him, though, it was all the wood projects he did. Right now, if you drove past our house, I have about 50 Halloween wood 
things sitting out in the yard all over the place that he had made. And we've got twice that many for Christmas. That was one of the main things he did. And, wow. And wow. so it, it, going through that, though, takes so much time. And you're kind of like, I'm never going to touch this. And you're like, anybody want it? Come and get it. At some point, it becomes overwhelming a lot. It is becoming like that for us. We actually, besides the kind of the commitment that we made was we did the divvy. Everybody's going to take away their various different stuff. There's still 90% of the stuff from the house. So we thought about having an estate sale, but now there's a certain urgency to getting the house cleared out so they can do the improvements to it. So it'll sell well on this market because, hey, interest rates are going up and various other things. And honestly, it's good that I got out of there because I'm not the guy that can go through that stuff and say, this has no value. So I'm always, this has sentimental value. It has historic. It's one of a set. And so there's two bagster dumpsters made out of big canvas that were just, oh my God, there's all the macaroni wreaths that we made when we were young for Christmas. There's so much beautiful glasses, beautiful mugs, beautiful yeah. things that like my parents had a wonderful kitchen. They had service for 12, but if nobody wants those things and we're not going to take the time to sell it, I'm feeling terrible about it, but it has to be done. And I'm not the one that could do it. So my older brother and younger brother just have less order instinct or less, less immediate. They just have less stuff. They have a lower stuff limit. <laughs> I think that's it. And I don't know, I even just going through as you, we went through the house several times now to make sure we found the financial papers, legal papers, important stuff. And we weren't looking for, you don't look in the kitchen cabinets for that. But when you open the kitchen cabinets, it's like, oh, here's some Yadro. Here's some Wedgwood crystal. And by cabinets, there's all decorative cabinets, a break front and all that kind of stuff. And maybe this is Lennox. And I don't know the values of things, but I've heard of some of these names. And then you're like, I, I like, I think it's pretty, so I want it. But should I take the Yadro? Because that might have collector's value. And man, it just was emotional, much more difficult than I expected it to be, especially when we finally got to, okay, claim your stuff, but anything that's left, it it really is that we're going to either get something for it or give it away or put it out to the street. We have big difficulties in terms of not only the little things, but there's a beautiful pool table, carved wooden lion's feet and pockets instead of runners and all that kind of stuff. But someone's got to come get it. We're not going to bring it to someone. And if I remember right, it's not a thing about pool tables. You can have a single slate bed, very old style, but impossibly heavy. And then otherwise they cut it into three. And then they, I think this is a single slate bed. So somebody's going to have to come in here with Strack 24-year-old stevedores, and they're going to lift this thing out, or they got a special pinball machine moving thing where they jack it up. But in order to replace the rug and the pad and the tile and other things we want to do to modernize the place while still keeping it Hacienda style, it really is that pool table has to go. And then you think, who wouldn't want this pool table? It's wonderful. As you, the world is changing, and nowadays kids want to play virtual pool, maybe on their Wii, they don't necessarily want a pool table. That was such a luxury item when I was growing up. I always dealt, dreamt of having the den, the conservatory, playroom, whatever you want to call it, with the floor-standing globe, like where Clouseau gets his hand caught in the big panther moon, and floor-to-ceiling beyond high bookcases with the rolling ladder, and then here's our pool table, and you have a brandy snifter. Oh, back in my day, of course. You know what I mean? And now that dream is fading into the past. There's no rooms nowadays that accommodate that. Nobody right. seems to want it. So all those emotions of having to get it done, but also it's such a re realization of 
their time is passed. My parents and my and whoever each generation is going to be less and less atoms and more and more digital, more pixels, more. And I don't know, there really is value to having a beautiful set of books on a shelf and going over and browsing. And Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and even the pool table. If I could, I'd take the pool table. I love playing pool. So honestly, my son. Yeah. And in fact, because we were so busy, I didn't even get a chance to shoot a last game of pool on this table. I love shooting pool. And just the, the press of activity. Yeah. I don't know. It was, got, did my usual red eye to come home. And I really didn't sleep well last night because I'm going through everything that we talked about, touched. I didn't get the farberware out of the kitchen. You know what I mean? I really like that stainless steel that my, we had growing up. It's indestructible. It's still, and yet there's only so much packing. We ran out of boxes and then, oh man, I had such, I still have such emotion about it. And I, it'll take a while for me to process, even when storage container gets to Bruce, he takes his half out, gets to here. I take my half out. I'm not going to bring, I'm going to bring like a tenth of it into the house. Most of it's going to go into my storage lockers. And what have I been working on for the last kind of COVID years? <laughs> Cataloging and getting things out of there. Right. So is it good to just pile another bunch of stuff up that I'm going to also catalog? And then when I say, wow, this is like the Peter Botanic, wonderful, who wants it? And it's crickets. It's just going to be another of those, man, the world has shifted. Right. I don't know if well, in a good way. <laughs> I, you mentioned a couple of things that, to bring uh, in the tech aspects, the geek aspects. Encyclopedia Britannica is a big thing that has changed through the years. When my kids were born, they're a couple years old or whatever. I'm like, okay, we had an encyclopedia, but I know it's ancient now. My grandparents had one even more ancient than that. I, I want to get an encyclopedia for my kids. I looked around, it, it's a CD. You buy a CD and that's what they have and they update it and it's online. And now you just subscribe. So yes, I 100% agree with you and feel that with you about yeah. not having the encyclopedia. They won't in, understand that. But on the flip side, they also have more updated, relevant, and better articles linked to more articles and more pictures and the videos and a right. more immersive. Yeah. So there is pros and cons both ways. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I, we haven't talked about this. Sometimes it's not just a matter of having current knowledge. It is a matter of knowing what came before. Yes. So when you look at a globe, and uh, I, we, uh, my parents had a globe that they, from Replogal, if I remember right that you could get repapered. They'd make it match wow. the current state of the world. And I would have bought another globe. I would have wanted to see what it was like when that really was <laughs> the USSR and before the stands broke away and before the Balkans split into various different things and Germany uh, rejoined. Africa has transformed multiple ways. I want to have those snapshots in time. And I think that's some of the value of having an old atlas is you really get to see what did we think the world looked like when there was still some terra incognita. What were the treaties that, you know, all this was owned by the Dutch? Not anymore. You understand, you you wouldn't have to get two. You'd have to get two every time it changed. So you kept that linear progression going on. I, I, I acknowledge that it's a weird thing to, yes, it's probably impractical and maybe not doable. And yet, maybe every 10 years, whatever you think yeah. is the saccade, the jump that you're willing to make in time so that you could have some sense of, I don't know, and I'm not talking tectonic plates. <laughs> I'm talking just man has carved up the earth in very Constantinople. different and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just playing the devil's advocate, arguing that I understand, again, I agree with you, it's our age, our generation, but 
just last night I was, I, by the way, I'm on my new computer in my office. I finally made it. That's why I have a background. Pretty good. But arguably I was on my Oculus last night, setting that up and playing with it. Is it cooler to try and get all these globes that are going to cost 25, 50 bucks a piece and keep up with it or have a cool little Oculus app that you could zoom in and move the earth around then watch it progress as things change, which, you know, is better. Arguably, they both are. But I, if kids are watching the videos and stuff, my, my, I bring up my cousin's grandkid all the time. He watches some of the most obscure scientific and educational videos. That would be for him. Look at, here's what the world mappings were. And you could zoom in and you could touch and you can look and get immersive street views and then jump around in time. I've talked about that with the AR and stuff. Too. I hear you. Exactly. I presenting it exactly like that. That is what I prefer. I think what I'm worried about is that yeah, you still have to have like curation. Someone has to save those things, make sure they're available. Yeah. So there is an internet archive, but then you have to have the search tools and the ability to stutter shuttle back and forth in time and be able to zoom in on an exact. And it's funny, I couldn't have been reading a more appropriate book. I'm reading Ready Player Two which is the sequel to Ready Player One. And it talks about the Oasis and having a more and more immersive experience because now they actually have the brain helmet, if you will, that wires it directly so you don't just have fake haptic feedback. It really is immersive. And that in this Oasis, because bits are unlimited, they have recreated Shermer, Illinois, where all the John Hughes movies took place. But they had to take liberties about distance because so did the movies. So when you go from one place to the other, it's the combination of recreating the movies and remaining true to them, but not real because the movies weren't. And a thousand other examples when they just talk about if you're going to do the Star Wars thing, you have to have you really you can teleport from planet to planet. And so someone lovingly created each of those simulations. So you have to have someone that's knowledgeable and passionate and that but then when they maintain it, they talk about this world was done by Alan Baltus, and he's dead now. And the world is not deteriorating, but we know more about what, I don't know, yes. if it was created 8-bit and everything is now 32-bit, it looks like you would expect when you pop onto an old Atari machine instead it, of the new immersive anyway. Isn't that one of the dystopian sci-fi writers' go-tos is the world progresses so much advancement that we don't know how to take care of the technology. And you always have those post-dystopian worlds where they yeah. can't take care of the ancient technologies. Yeah. <laughs> And it's funny, of course, my father had multiple generations of computers. So here's an old HP monitor that really is only 8-bit or 16-bit, but not like we have nowadays, the retina level. What is every, I would say, male required to have the box of cables and connectors that you never want to throw away because you might need it one day. It's still got value. And as we were going through those things, it really was heartening that my dad, on, on the edge of technology versus me being quite immersed in it, he still had that of, what do you save? When do you get rid of it? Back to floppy disks and then little hard disks and the CDs and DVDs and that kind of stuff. So, and wow. So my father wasn't and isn't the tech, but yeah. I'm cleaning out the building. I'm pulling out this string with a handle and I'm like, what's this? I'm like, oh, that's the pool cord for an old lawnmower. He kept it in case you need an extra one. I'm right. pulling out these springs and wires. And this is the ignition cable for this particular item. And I'm like, exactly. you know, wow. Yeah. I, my dad had every tool in the universe up on the pegboard, as is required by law for a certain generation. And my younger brother and older brother both have a lot of tools because they've had a place for them. Now that I finally have a garage, 
I was like, well, I want to have. And so Bruce was going through, my younger brother Bruce was going through and saying, here's a good starter set of things that I already have. So you get to have the duplicate, if you will. And so soon I'll have more screwdrivers, more of every kind of wrench and all, and I'll have both English and metric, and I'll be able to work on more lawnmower parts or whatever else it might be. So that'll be handy. It, so much of the geekery of this is also, um, wow, I thought I knew a lot about this author, and here's a book I'd never read. It's like before my time oh. of being introduced, and we laugh about that, that there's a certain generational thing where they think the world started when they did. And so they don't go watch black and white movies or they don't. And and I was like, wow, I, I really have looked for some of these. And yet I has some things from relatively big names, maybe not Tom Clancy, but I'm trying to remember who I could give as an example, Alistair McLean or something like that, where, oh, a number of his were made into movies and they got famous. And I thought that I knew all of them. And yet my dad had treasure because he had a book I didn't have. And, and I would have bet against that. I have been so much a collector in the course of my life and inspired by my dad where a lot of my science fiction taste or my my everything, my mystery taste came from him and my mom. And it's funny, I often talk about my dad because he seemed his taste was mo- much in evidence. But of course, my mom is all over the place as well. All the wonderful Christmas things that we have that I remember being the tinsel in the house, the ornaments on the trees. There's a she made ornaments. So she took, I mean, we've talked about this styrofoam ball where you pressed various different things in and became like this beautiful kind of scintillating mirror ball jeweled ornament. And we got them all. So now everybody's going to have some for their tree. So we can say, here's to you, mom and dad, and lift lift a nog to them, that kind of thing. And a lot of things from our youth, Armin had Maddie Mattel when he was young, and I had Casper. Those were our dolls. I've never been a big doll guy since then. I don't really collect action figures and stuff. But man, seeing little Casper was like, I remember, I don't know, you watch the cartoons when you're young and the little kids run away crying because they're scared of him. And I was always like, Casper has no friends. <laughs> and I just, it brought some of that back. And I haven't yeah. thought about that in 60 years. So fighting nostalgia, but also embracing it because those were your family memories. Are I remember yeah. my dad bringing home puzzles because I was a ridiculously smart kid and so my dad had to keep challenging me beyond schoolwork. they mom and dad were really good about introducing me like mom would get me dot to dots or puzzle books and dad would get me physical puzzles and just it was all still there they had folders dossiers on each of us were like here's our third grade report card you know what i mean they really raised us well and they kept all that with the intent one day of handing it off and now we are, <laughs> we're claiming it. We've talked about this too. The tech, we're basically doing time capsule tech here. Yeah. yeah. You could have, you still maybe can go into each room and do a panorama photo because you can put those into Oculus and you could look through it. It's not like a walkthrough, which you'd have to recreate through software. And lots of people do that for that time vault. They take pictures. You said you took pictures. So right. You may not keep everything there's just no way no no reason to when you look at it from the outsider's viewpoint but right. you got the pictures you can go in and see and bring back those same feelings that's the thing it's, yeah. it's that's what you don't want to get rid of not so much the item you're right and i wish i would have had the presence of mind to do that instead when i took the pictures it was to get an inventory so that right. the brothers could say who would like what i really should have done what you just said take the thing and be able to do room-to-room transition and have a view of my parents' house where they lived for 35 years. I didn't do that, and soon it will be impossible. Yeah, um, that's... Yeah. What made me think of that is we're talking about things in the past and tech. When I was setting up the Oculus, they have videos on there they offer for free, and there's a new one called 27 Minutes Under the Rubble. 
And it's the story of the last survivor they pulled from the Twin Towers collapse. Oh, and Lord. her story about that, but it's in the Oculus. You're immersive. I'm sitting there and they're showing a view from one of the cameras that was in the city at the time. And yeah. you can see the Twin Towers over there. And I turn and I'm looking at the city all around me. Oh, then they no. show from street level and you're and there's people and it, you're in the middle of it and it and she's talking over it just like a documentary. Yeah. And then they start showing the planes and stuff hitting. And you're like looking up and you see the plane come in and crash. And it's like, then, wow, because it's right, right there. You have to in there fly. in the canyons of New York, watching it hit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And because it's the Oculus, they it, it's not 100%. So I'm, I don't want to hear people going, oh, it's not 100%. Like I, I get that. It's anyway, better than... Right. Yeah. I still had to tilt my head and go like this to look around and look up. It wasn't just a 2D picture in front of me. It's very intense that way. And we've talked about history and stuff and kids learning with the globe and all that. But I remember, and I've mentioned this, I learned more about the actual Civil War when I read Turtle Dove's book, Guns of the South, mm -hmm. the whole feelings of the South from various aspects and stuff. That's what the Oculus can do, teaching kids. We can teach them all we want about the politics and why this may have happened and how airplanes fly or whatever. But I guarantee a one hour thing on the Oculus where they're in the plane heading to the Putting tower or yes. they're seeing it or they're on it and they feel it shake. That would be much more informative to them than anything we could do with a chalkboard. Exactly. And I'll tell you, Oculus, there's so much stuff that's been done for a long time about um, strange days, about what it would be like to be able to not only experience it, but also to record your experience and then have somebody else re relive that, if you will. Another sci-fi thing. <laughs> exactly. Black Mirror has things about that, about being able to choose your reality and have you really get to like blank people out of it that you don't want to have in your life anymore. And like I said, reading Ready Player Two, where it's this immersive experience. But when you start to be, you have to put in safeguards because if people really experience it and can die from it, if the feeling was too intense, if it really was the pain of being struck by lightning or something like that, how do you make it so that it's an experience, not a reliving of it? I don't know. There, there's all kinds of stuff that that all those things are coming up because I'm going through 90 years of a person's life. And it's a, nearly a century. Too much happened. My parents were born in 33. And so it's just after the Depression, just before going into World War II, so much happened in Europe while we were there. Then they came to the United States. And then what did they have? They had McCarthyism. They had the British invasion, free love, hippies, you know, it just all that they lived through and dealt with. And we're going through interesting times now, obviously. It's very interesting to be able to see what did they capture from those times so that they would remember it or so that this is what they were watching to not be involved in it. This was their distraction. They... My parents never had a movie camera, um, but they took tons and tons of pictures. And so I took on the pictures and the slides so that we'll be able to digitize that and then send out a couple of DVDs for the family. Again, there's another tech thing that we've got now. We can digitize all of that and everybody gets everything. Exactly. I am like, I took it on. I've not done this before. Is it going to be like, wow, slide by slide? And there's 33 carousels with 140 each. So what have I just taken on and make sure the resolution is good? Is there a little automated guy that I can buy that I load in 10 slides and it does the right. and goes through it? Is there, and I know my time is valuable and limited. Is that what I want to spend my next two years doing? I kind of want, if I find a guy that'll do it for you, I don't even know, a thousand, three thousand, five thousand dollars. 
have me not spend all my time on that, but to send it to them and then like a month later, get it back because they've got the tools that I don't have the great tools and stuff. And so I'm going to do that little study of how long does it take me? What's it worth to not do it? What, and then talk to the brothers about, hey, if we're going to do this, it'll cost us 5000 bucks, And it really might be that each of us would say, for $1,700 to have the history of my family, maybe it's worth it. And I think we might even get to that. My parents had some money, and so we're going to be inheriting some of that. It's in the trust, and we're moving things from the places it was locked into the trust. And and my wife and I were just talking about this. It's not, hey, let's go buy an island. It's not that level of rich. But just having that little bit of extra money where you really do have the opportunity to say, my time is worth more than $5,000. There are times in my life where I would have put a lot of time into earning $5,000. And now things are shifting a little bit. All those little, what would you call them? Additions and inconveniences. I'm going to be, I took spirit home and I'm willing to pay for a seat when it's the four hour flight so that I can lean against the wall and try to get some sleep. Whereas, I don't know, for an hour, I don't really care where I sit. And but soon it'll be for like five or ten bucks. I'll always be willing to get the I don't know the extra mayonnaise on my, with my meal, the right. my my little bit better seat, my little bit better hotel room, all that incremental thing. Where Colleen and I have been very frugal, and that's one of the reasons I've collected so much. We've been so many wonderful places. When you're frugal, all the money you save, then when you want to have a big splurgy dinner, you don't feel any guilt at all because you earned it. You kind of saved it. And yet, though, it's ratcheted up now as to um, what do we really have to watch? Are we, let's see, we're at least candy bar rich. Anytime we can buy a candy bar, I bet you my habit of like buying CDs for seven bucks or less. I might be able to bump that to 10. You know what I mean? 15. <laughs> and, and so I love that you, 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 you're talking that way because I've talked to some people and it's kind of like at this point, if I won the lottery, if I won that, maybe not, like you said, the amount that makes a difference that you can roll in it and live and just sleep right. on it, but enough that it makes you like, I don't have to worry about it if I'm doing this out of the air. And honestly, and people say, if you really won the money, it'd be different. But honestly, like you said, I don't want a sports car. I don't want a mansion to live in because eh, I don't want a gold pool, maybe a pool, but not a gold pool. So I really think the things I would enjoy and do with the money are totally different than if I was 20 and whatever. I agree with you. I like that. It's like, I can go to more comedy fests in more cities, and that's what I would enjoy, that type of thing. Exactly. That's that. As we look towards retirement, and as we look towards, we've saved up for retirement, we have money, and now we're getting money from the parents. It isn't going to go into, I want a bigger house, a mansion. It's going to go into, now I have the ability to have virtually any experience that I want. Of course, that's not true. I take it back. Probably the experiences that I want are not the $20,000 to bask on a beach for a week. I care less about exclusive Bali private stuff. Well, you shouldn't be in the sun anyway. <laughs> and that's, see, exactly. I already got some determining factors that keep me from, but I don't know. I want to go see the tarantula migration, not Monte Carlo Le Mans racing. Do you know what I mean? My tastes are eclectic and I'm looking forward to being able to do those things and know that I didn't have to do that instead of everything else. It's more like I really have the next hundred trips that what we yes. go on our driving vacation, we'll never run out of $5,000 trips. You will run out of time. We'll run out of, can we pop in and out of the car? It's a nice feeling. It's a nice feeling to have options and, and not as many trade-offs as we 
have always had to make in our life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, and when we're now looking at, I'm going to continue to visit my mom until my mom is gone, but soon the house will be gone. So then it's, I'm going to stay at, I hope, a place like an extended stay in America or Homewood Suites because I want to have my own hotel. That's true. Jeeves, get me my liver and onions. No, I'm just teasing. I still don't want to eat out every night. I want to have my my breakfast sandwiches in the morning and I want to have a Subway for lunch and I want to make my own pizza. It, the things that will make me happy aren't going to be having to now ratchet up the spending without having the house as a home base already I'm looking into Oh, it, it's very a very practical form of geekery. You know what I mean? Now what I'm looking at is I'm going to be out there solo most of the time. I don't want to play mini golf by myself. That seems a little weird. Whereas maybe I will go to the zoo and wander around. Besides visiting mom, there's all kinds of Southern California to go see. It, 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 no matter how much money I have, do I want to go to Tijuana? Not really. As no, some people think about it as going, hey, you'll be able to get things at bargain prices. And it's a different lifestyle. And the life is like kind of desperate and poor. And I get... I've never had a nice time where people are pressing postcards into your hand. And if you don't buy it, they go hungry that day. It weirds me out, those islands or places that I've been to like that. And I guess maybe that's hiding from it a little bit on my part. But you know what? I don't have to be right. <laughs> in every save, saving every single starfish. I get to keep my peace of mind. I get to keep my own sense of, True. I can't be that sad. I can't. You're right. True. Oh. So you did one other geek thing you mentioned about with the encyclopedias and the books yeah. was the Van Gogh thing that yeah. they had that immersive Van Gogh. And right. I think I agree with you. I'm a little torn. I want to see it hanging somewhere, but to be truthful, where did he have it in his studio? You know what I'm saying? We're in a yeah. museum, so it's still a different environment. And a lot of times we're not actually seeing the original. We're seeing a copy that they've made because they don't trust any, but this, those emergencies of the thinker, there's not a single original thinker. Yes. Stuff like you that, know, I've right? seen the pictures in books. I've been to various museums and seen some of the real life ones. Yeah. So that we're back. Okay, we're back. Yeah, sorry, that was me. It looks like we lost power for a second. So everything's zip. Time for a UPS. But but I was talking about the, the immersive Van Gogh that they had at the museum. I love that they do things like that because it's a new way of experiencing it to get people in that may have never seen it, may have never cared. Or, so exactly. there's benefits to those. Yeah, I really like the fact that there seem to be more of them. They did a, a virtual Sistine Chapel. They're going to be doing various different other artists' work. I, knowing that we just talked about, hey, uh, this museum has sunflowers, but there's many Van Goghs all over the place. The fact that sometimes they put together the tour that collects as many of them as they can on loan for various different places, or the virtual tour says you get to see 50 of them, where would you have gone to all 50 museums? Maybe not. And it's right. a different to see them all chronologically and next to each other and stuff instead of in the bits and pieces that you get. Yes, those two. <laughs> so this is going back. So back in the early days of the internet, Yahoo was huge. Yahoo was the thing. So big, in fact, that they came out with a print magazine. So wrap your head around one of the biggest tech companies of the time making a print magazine. Unheard of today, but I got a couple issues to check it out and keep up. What's the cool new stuff on the internet? Because you want to see everything on the internet. Mm -hmm. It's very farcical now. But one of the things they talked about was the Louvre, that they were making it virtual. You could walk through a virtual, and by today's standards, it was crude and very pixelated. But in your web browser, you could, like the old games, 
click to move forward and turn left and click to move forward. And you could view all the paintings and stuff from the Louvre yeah. up on the wall. Exactly. Um, that was one I of loved the, it. Yeah. Well, there's someone, one, of their, one of their first ideas of what we can do with this wonderful new internet thing is right. not, let's, write, let's do another first-person shooter. Let's take someone on a tour of the Louvre where, I don't know, out of 6 billion people, 5.9 have <laughs> not had a chance to make it to the loop. What a breakthrough in that regard. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. So I remember that time capsule tech. It's probably in the Wayback Machine. If you go look <laughs> at it, it's probably there somewhere. Exactly. Uh, so, well. So let's what, see. What, yeah, we had accumulated as usual yes. topics that we then digress. What's top of my mind? I really am enjoying the Game of Thrones sequel, The House yeah, of the Dragon. really? Okay. Matt Smith is great. Our gentleman from Doctor Who and various other things. And it's funny, last time I visited my mom, they were watching some movie, and he was playing Prince William. I've lost track. Back at when the Suez Canal, things were happening, 39 England. He was playing that. So Matt Smith, he, he was also in the, he was in Morbius as the villain. Okay. He's everywhere now. He's really good in this because he's got that, I call it like a Michael Keaton factor where he's intense, but funny. And you don't know whether he's insane or not. You don't know when he's going to snap. He's good at that. You know I mean? <laughs> he's got something in his eyes that he could go either way. And the fact that he can keep a straight face while doing dastardly things or even laughing while doing it, you know what I mean? It, but he has real love, affection for his niece and he's a great warrior. So I don't mean to only highlight him as usual in any Game of Thrones thing. There's a dozen people that are fleshing out this entire world of all the competing factions and different everything, different races, different. It's it's really well done. It's just what I like, that internecine warfare where the family itself is competing with each other as to if this guy dies, who's going to ascend? And as long as I have pure blood, back when that mattered more, a lot made of, hey, the country will not follow a woman. And wow, aren't we experiencing that right now with just finally Queen Elizabeth? But well, she was pretty good leader for the last 58 years or whatever. Yeah, so, whole oh, 78, right? It was like 70, yeah, I think she yeah. was 52, 70 years. So it's, I just, I'm really enjoying it. And it's not only a costume thing, it really has intrigue. It's got real heroism and real treachery and real everything. It's such a great whatever people get out of other things like Downton Abbey, where it's the humanity that that is uh, not the dragons that matter. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So I was looking earlier this year, I joined Redbox's program. So I okay. get one free rental every month. And okay. I'm looking and I'm like, okay, everything in here is already on streaming that I've seen or I don't care for. I'm like, I'm wasting my time. So we think Redbox may be dying, unfortunately. But okay. talking of the frugility, frugility, Colin and I like to go see on Mondays at Kent and Tuesdays at Ravenna, the $5 movies. Because okay. if we're going to see the same movie in the same spot, and we have see the, it ability, in the big screen with yeah, popcorn. Okay. Five yeah. bucks instead of the 15. So there's a couple of movies out that we went last night and saw The Barbarian. It's a newer horror flick. I don't think it's for everybody. It's not a standard horror flick that most people, it's something my friend Reese and I would probably watch and review for our podcast. It's got some freaky moments. It felt like a movie that may have been made in like the early 80s, maybe 70s or something. And so that was interesting. That vibe, yeah. 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 Then there's a movie out called The Invitation, and it's a okay. vampire movie. 
Um, okay. And basically, this they can't come in unless you invite them. Okay, uh, maybe there's a song you could relate to. She loses yeah. her family, and so she's trying to find through the DNA search more family, and she runs into a family she didn't know about in England, and okay. they invite her to a wedding. Turns out they're vampires, and she's now the vampire bride. So that's out. And then we want to go see Warrior Woman or Warrior Queen or whatever that is with okay. Wall, the lady that played Waller in the MC in the DC universe. Yes, yes um, exactly. Amanda Waller. Okay. We want to see that. That looks really good. And then there's a couple of horror movies out. There's a Darling something or with Chris Pine. It yeah, something like, My Darling. Quick. Something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That looks interesting. It's psychological yeah. type thriller horror. And then okay. there's a Smile which looks really freaky. I don't know if you've seen that trailer. No. I, I know you're not huge horror, so this probably, but this one's weird. Just It's like a disease. Everyone's just smiling, and then they see people like, and then they die. More, more feral. Okay. Yeah, so what freaked, the, the freaky part, I'll give it away in the trailer, this lady pulls up and honks her horn, picking up a kid who comes out the door and comes walking up to the car. Well, yeah. as a perspective, they get to the car, that you can't see past like their belly. They're like that tall. And okay. then her head just goes down and looks in the window with this huge smile. And that's the, yeah. Okay. So yeah, the, the big startlement. Okay. Yeah. And then there's the new Halloween movie coming out. The third of this latest trilogy. Right. Where so, they went back to the first one to try to keep going from there instead of yes. Jason in space and Jason. Okay. Yeah. A <laughs> lot of horror movies out. So we've got a lot of stuff to see on, Five dollar yeah. days for the next that month. Makes sense. September leading into October, prime time for all those yeah. kinds of things. Okay. Yeah, very good. But I, th unfortunately, I love Redbox, but I just can't find enough good stuff to get my free rental every month yeah. coming out of there with all the streaming. And again, uh, how many of these things were are already on streaming that we saw a week ago or something? Like no? Some things are exclusive. Some things are everywhere. Yeah. That kind of so I, we, I guess my equivalent of that, I still have Netflix, both disc and streaming. So and I will make use of disc because there's so much stuff in their library that isn't available online. So we've been working our way through the Dexters and the Killing Eves and the, and like I said, I, there's still um, the various different studios or at least owners of these things play games with not all the Woody Allens are available all the time. And so whenever they re-release the Woody Allens that we haven't seen at least once, then we jump on them. And same with, there's a couple of Alfred Hitchcocks that we've had to be looking for. I think we've seen all the Cone brothers because they haven't played that game. I knew that Disney did that, that they kept things on and off the market based on being willing to re-release them. Yeah. Now it seems because so many things are, you don't get it forever. You get it like rights for two years and then it goes away while they shop it to somebody else. I guess it is even the discs. They don't, they wear out and they don't, they're not allowed to buy new ones to refill them. And so they really go away. Yeah. I've got no lie, probably 60, 80 things in my Sunday. Yeah. I once had them in my queue and then they dropped out. And I here's hoping I one, one day get a chance to see Kentucky Fried Movie again or whatever. Maybe, actually, Tunnel Vision is the one that went away and it hasn't come back. That's by the sensibility is the same as. The Zucker Brothers movies like Airplane. It's like sketch comedy, really quick, right, awful right. funny, but hilariously funny. And I remember seeing them fondly in the 70s, 80s when I was in college and after. But they just, nobody's kept them on the market. Nobody's kept them available. There's, I've mentioned this. I always go to the exchange and end up buying horror. It's getting harder to buy horror movies because I've gotten all the good ones that I want. But uh, okay. over the last couple of years, I've collected a lot of the universal horror. 
uh, movies. Okay. I did my research. I went, found, here's a list in yeah. order of all the universal horror movies. And, and you, you know, check once, them off as you get them. Exactly. Yeah, and now yeah. I'm working on Hammer, a uh, house of horror films. Uh, yeah. And I found the exchange is great because they have so much there. And yeah. They have a section for DVDs and Blu-rays, and they have cheap ones. But I picked up several Hammer movies last night for three bucks. Yeah, you know, exactly. Nothing. That's a rental cost, so I might as well buy it, and then I can watch it whenever. Not, not that all of them are top-notch, I-must-watch-again movies. But right. Sometimes when you buy it used, people really watch the heck out of it, and it really doesn't play perfectly. And right. Yeah, three bucks. You know well, what I mean? I'm not so much worried in talking about that. I'm talking about, wow, that's really cheesy. I'm <laughs> I don't know if I can ah, sit okay. through it for another two hours again. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm interested when some things I've not been able to find. I think I'll go to the libraries because not only is it now my Lakewood Public Library, but they have an interlibrary exchange. But I've had, and we still have a VCR that I can hook up as well as a DVD player. And yet, so many things I'm just getting that they're not viewable. You know what I mean? People really did spill a whole malted milk into the cartridge or whatever like that. And it's now, libraries have been getting rid of the VHS. They're not keeping them around because the equipment's yeah. old, it's wearing out, and people don't yeah. want them. So they get rid of them for space for other stuff. Of course. So exactly. if you got it, take advantage while you can. Yeah. It is cool to be on that treasure hunt just out of maybe we're the only people watching that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. If somebody else wants it. We talked about this over the weekend. Um, my younger brother, he was really into um, war history and especially painting little figurines from the like, Seven Years' War, Revolutionary War, et cetera, et cetera. There was a professor named Diffie, if I remember correctly, from Northern Illinois University. And at one point he was in a library and he saw a book by this guy that was not available in print anywhere else, but they had it in the library. And he looked at it and that's when they had cards that got stamped Nobody had taken it out since 72. Wow. And so he checked it out and he's not sure when he's going to return it. I don't mean to narc on it because I did that. I have a copy of Seduction of the Innocent, a very famous comic book about comic books are going to turn your children to juvenile delinquents and stuff like that. (laughs) And I got it. Same thing. Nobody had checked this out forever. And so I'm not waiting for Amnesty Day. I really have never returned it. And so I'm a thief and I'm sorry, I shouldn't put this. Oh my God. Now everybody knows, but I look at it more like I saved it. I well, didn't want to be one of those that the library is doing the same, what you just talked about. Things that haven't been checked out for 20 years, they're going in the landfill. They're going yeah. away. And some things are really niche history that, that shouldn't go away. Someone should have that. It's me. Well, <laughs> at you least need, there's one. You I, need I've a, not done that a lot. I've done that once. <laughs> you need a group of monks transcribing it for you. So you get copies. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it, it, there, there's, I think a lot of our rules in that are gray. That's, there may be a good reason. And I was just going to say that. You saved that book. They, they would have got rid of it. If you would have missed the book sale and not seen the book, it would have been in the landfill. Nobody would have ever missed it. That's right. And you got it. And it's funny because when we were at the movies last night, now we watch movies in our living room and people can get up and sit down. We can pause it. You can turn the light on. You get something to eat. Uh, We talk. We doorbell rings, whatever. Last night, there was a guy up in front of us that like the movie had just barely started. He's pulling up his phone and stuff and he kept messing with it. Now, if there was only like four of us in the theater total, maybe five, and he had it on dark mode. So it wasn't, distracting me it wasn't he wasn't talking there wasn't noise so i let it go i'm like you know what go ahead buddy you paid for the movie if you want to sit there as long as it's not bothering me my son though it was because with his 
tracking issues with his eyes that it was enough light to be distracting to him. And yeah. he goes, Hey buddy, could you put away your phone? And the guy like shot him a dirty look and stuff. It's like, Hey, the rules are in the public theater, put your right. phone away. There's a rule. All he had to do was move behind you. That's Sit what Colin you. said. He's dude, don't sit in front, just go behind and I don't care. That's right. So That's right. sometimes there's okay reasons to break rules and some that it, you know, it's partly, I, I guess what I said to Colin, I said, I guess it depends on how much it affects other people. If you're right. talking on the phone, it's bothering everybody, shut up, put it away. If you're in the back of the theater and you're just scrolling through emails, who cares? It's your time. So yeah. same with the book. Nobody's going to miss it, obviously, for 50 years. Exactly. So. <laughs> I, I hope that's the case. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that, you no. Know, I have books that no library has anymore. So I really have played Omega Man. When the world is going to hell, I'm going to hole up in a library, make that my armored compound and save civilization because I'll be the one that has the books on how to replant crops, Fox how to fire. purify water, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So anyway. My grandparents, speaking of, my grandparents had some of those Foxfire books, which okay. are about the mountain men and skinning and tanning. And yeah. you know, I learned a lot of useful skills looking through reading those books oh let's read a new book exactly. they still have those books out you can still buy them they've you know republished them but it's yeah. the same stuff they haven't updated and edited it's the same crudely written skill set of stuff but they work they're pioneer level you yeah need two sticks of wood to start a fire you know what i mean here's i love that kind of stuff is available if people want to find it instead yes of Lord, let's been just lost in the midst of time. Yeah. So. Uh, it's, I always tell people, I know from those books how to get water when it's not going to rain. It's not going to this, what you need and what to do that you can okay. have water. So that you don't realize if there really was a zombie apocalypse, you're going to need water. I don't care about everything. Right, exactly. <laughs> And just say, you had to be, you'd be able to capture it by condensation or and keep it clean and whatever else. Yes. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. 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 All right. Hey, it's close to an hour. Exactly. Uh, our usual. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I needed to mention, but not really. When I'm out in California, I'm really nowhere near my usual level of consumption stuff out there. So we're going to be a couple of quick things. We're going to be in Toronto for the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. And the geek factor of this is there's tons and tons of acts and they're all different times and dates and places. But I made the master spreadsheet that led us. We have one of these things where you have 12 credits. And as you see a show, you get the credit returned into your bucket. So if you're canny, you can say, I just saw a show on Thursday night, and now I got the next one for Sunday night. And I have the master list of every time that we use up a show, get this one next. And then we're going to fill, honestly, like 10 days of seeing hopefully 30 shows, three a night, all these great, it's Maria Bamford, it's Mark Marin, it's Craig Ferguson, like good Todd Berry, big names. To, to, if you know stand up, but there's some of those are really good. And I'm looking forward to all kinds of people that I've never heard of before because we're going to find the next Michelle Wolf, the next Flu Laborg, the next ones that just killed us. They, they cracked us up. And it's like, where did they come from? Who is this guy or gal? So we're going to have a nice time. And Toronto is a, a wonderful place to be able to, besides seeing the comedy, it's let's, you know, <laughs> wow now i can not only get pea meal bacon i can get maple syrup with every meal if i want to so we're gonna have a nice time there we nice. have not had a time away like this for more than a day or two in a long time and this will be a really nice chance to put the world outside and we'll go to our things i don't know during the day we're gonna go hiking and shopping and goofing off and then we'll see cool. our three tonight so that's and my big 
geekery. <laughs> well, and we've talked about it, but we're confirmed we're both going to be at Weem in yes, October. Yes. And we're both giving our own talks, but then we're doing a live prod- podcast. Exactly. Uh, and Lacey gave us prime time, 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. So that we, I hope we get a wonderful crowd. And I mentioned that the theme is reunited and it feels so good. So we'll, we should put together a whole bunch of stuff that is, what was a good reunion? Hey, when the Brady Bunch regathered was. Yes, <laughs> reunion bands and music and. Like that, uh, exactly. Movies and. I thought that'd be an easy, ripe topic for an hour. Bam, bam, right, bam, I'll tell so. you one I got right now is okay. when the Next Generation crew reunited on the third season of Picard. Okay, like you that. And so, if anything, when you talk to a Mensa crowd, no matter how smart you are, you're not smart as the entire crowd. And people <laughs> are chiming in with, oh, yeah, and this one. And we're just going to, like, let the crowd run. It's going to be great to see all. I hope everybody's taking notes as to look at this, go watch this, go read this. It's going to be fun. We, we need oh. to come up with some good reunited comics, not just the characters, but, like, artists and writers that were together exactly. and then they're back for something. That's but right. We could do a whole, man. Take a little bit of research, but we'll have some good I'm, stuff. I'm going to every time I think of it or see it, I'm going to make notes, and I'm sure we'll have 50. If we just spend one minute on various different things, and like I said, with the crowd chiming in, it'll be fun. It'll be a <laughs> absolutely. Fun. <laughs> so and we'll have some drinking and all that kind of good stuff. So yes, at least drinking in three years. I'm really looking forward. Ooh. Yeah, and new unicorn tears or something. You know? Costumes so, for the night, all exactly. that. We, I'm so looking forward to it because I had off the beginning of June for two days and then a long weekend. So this is the I haven't had a week off. Uh, this will be the next long weekend I've really long had. Time, so, exactly. yeah. yeah, and and I don't know. Again, for those listeners just tuning in, Halloween is the big Mensa regional gathering that takes place in Chicago, usually over Halloween weekend, and it's the best. It's huge. It's 500 to 600 people. There's a huge costume parade. There's unending hospitality. There's multiple tracks of programming, a huge games room. It just is such a wonderful immersion into like fun with Smarty. So if you're at all immense and you haven't ever gone to an RG and you wanted to hit the ground running, you can't go wrong with Chicago. You'll be yeah, overwhelmed absolutely. how cool it is. Absolutely. It's really, really fun. All right. All right, all right. man. Cool. See you in a week. Good to see you. See you next week. I'll be reporting in from Toronto next week. Okay. (laughs) And I love your shirt today, by the way. There we go. We got the spy versus spy. My pride. Exactly. There we go. Okay. All right. Later. Take care, Stephen. All right. Bye-bye. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.